things transpiring in our lives. The Holy Spirit moves upon the Apostle Paul to write, This is the will of God for you in everything. In everything. Give thanks. To help give perspective to this verse in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible says, once again, the Apostle Paul writes, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. In everything give thanks. We know that all things work together for good. God's will is fulfilled and power is unleashed when we learn to trust Him that His purpose is being fulfilled in all things to the good of those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. In the Bible there were ten men that were lepers who Jesus said to them go show yourself to the priest they were lepers they were outcasts they were separated from society they came to Jesus and said have mercy on us Jesus said go show yourselves to the priest the Bible says that as they went leaving the presence of Jesus obeying the words of Jesus as they went they were cleansed That means the spread of leprosy was stopped. The signs of the effects or the progress of the disease were stopped. Then the Bible goes on to say that one of those young men recognized with the others what had happened. No doubt they were celebrating the healing that had happened in their bodies. And the other nine went on their way to show themselves to the priest. And one came back to give thanks to Jesus. You know the story Jesus said, where are the other nine who also received this miracle? Where are the other nine? And finally when this young man tearfully, gratefully got up from the feet of Jesus after saying thank you, Jesus said, go your way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Which I believe, and I believe I have foundation to stand on that this man received something that the other nine did not the other nine were cleansed but this man was made whole some bible scholars believe that perhaps there was a restoration of body parts that had been eaten by this disease maybe there was a completeness of spiritual healing that happened as well but there was power in his willing to say thank you jesus that gave him this great miracle. I want to tell you that there is power in giving thanks. But I also want to give you some perspective today because the power ratchets up when you learn how not to just give thanks for the blessings and not to just give thanks in the midst of times where there's evidence of God's hand working on your behalf, but that you're able to give thanks to God when it seems like God's nowhere around and you see no evidence of Him working on your behalf and you wonder if He's forgotten where you live and what your name is and you can still be 
thankful to God. This is the will of God, and this is the key to powerful living in Christ Jesus. Not letting your gratitude be dictated by your circumstances, but letting your gratitude be dictated by the goodness of the God that you serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I understand you guys had a great church here last week. Powerful move of the Spirit. I want to say thank you for coming here to have church. Thank you for being worshipers. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Thank you, Brother Moore, for ministering the Word of the Lord. What a wonderful report to receive that you came to have church. Also, you know what? I'm so glad to see Sister Rose back in the house of the Lord today after being out with his surgery. God bless you so much. We love you. Glad that you are home. I want to preach from these verses for a few moments on this subject. Perspective, or more specifically, Thanksgiving perspective. Jesus, anoint the words. Let us receive. Let us be impacted and empowered by the word. Lord, if there's someone here, Jesus, today that has not yet made you their Lord, has not committed their lives to you as their Savior, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move their heart today, Lord God, to take that step of faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I have a question for you. Have you ever tried to figure God out? Have you ever tried to understand why things happen the way that they do? Have you ever tried to understand why the world is shaped as it is and why things transpire like they do? If there is a God, the big questions in life. Men, have you ever tried to figure women out? Women, have you ever tried to figure out a man? More specifically, have you ever tried to figure out life? Why did I have to go through this circumstance? Or why was I born into this situation Why am I having to face this pain? Why did the doctor say I have this disease? Why is my marriage under attack? Why did I have to go through a divorce? Why are these circumstances happening in life? Or why are these good things happening to me, not happening to someone else? It can be maddening when you try to figure out life and try to figure out God. Am I blessed because I've been a good person? Am I going through this pain because I'm being punished for something I did wrong? In all of our efforts to try to figure these things out, we take solace in the Word of God where it says in uh, Romans chapter 11 and 33, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. So that lets us know that we cannot figure out the mind of God. And if we try to understand and discern why things transpire in life, why we face circumstances that we do, it will be frustrating. It will bring pressure undue into our lives. Have you ever tried to figure yourself out? Why do I have these weaknesses? Why do I have this bad habit? 
Why have I experienced this brokenness and pressure in my life? Of course, the Bible responds, Isaiah 55, 8 through 10. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And when we try to figure out life, when we try to figure out why was I born into this family, why was I abused when I was a child, why did I have to experience this trial in my life, it can lead to a frustrating, irresolute feeling or sense in your life. The problem is we have certain weaknesses that enable us not to understand the ways of God and the thoughts of God. These handicaps that we struggle with are not going to change anytime soon. These handicaps that I talk about have to do with this word called perspective. Perspective means the way that we view something or the angle from which we view something or where we are standing both physically or metaphorically when we're viewing a situation. Here's some of the limitations that we have that enable us not to understand the mind of God. The first one has to do with space limitations. If I am standing close to something, I can view it differently than when I'm standing far away. This is what is meant by perspective. The little child is asked, how big is the moon? The child says, about as big as a quarter. Why? It's because of his perspective where he is standing spatially when he views that thing. We can only view things based on where we are in time or in space. God is not limited by being in one place at one time. He sees things from a distance. He sees them close up. He sees the minuscule detail. He sees the big picture all at the same time. We can't see big picture and detail at the same time because we're spatially limited. God is not suffering from those limitations. And so He sees things in a way that we never can or never will. Another one has to do with time limitations. We have a limitation that puts us in a position where we cannot experience yesterday, today, and tomorrow at the same time. We can only see what's happening right now. Anybody ever been really, really stressed about something and had you at your wit's end totally wrung out? But when you look back on it over the entire scope of your life, you realize it wasn't that big of a deal. Amen. Anybody ever have a girlfriend break up with you? And you can't hardly remember her name anymore. But when she broke up with you, you thought it was the end of the world. See, God's different than us. He's not stuck in the middle of the situation time-wise and only looking at what's happening right now. God sees the end from the beginning. So while we're trying to figure God out, we're up face-to-face with circumstances or situation or feelings, emotions. We can't pull back from those and understand everything. But God has the unique ability to see the end from the beginning. He's not caught in the moment like you and I are. 
because of our being caught in the moment, uh, we can only view things from our perspective. But God has a God's eye view which we're not blessed with. That's why sometimes uh, we need to learn how to trust God. Not get so pressured and stressed about things that we don't understand. And you ever taken one of those uh, Bible bookmarkers? Seen one of those that is woven together? Like a, a, a woven type of tapestry Bible bookmark? I had, had one of those when I was young, and, and it said, on it, it said Richard. Someone bought it for me. It had my name Richard. And then underneath it had the meaning of my name, Powerful Ruler. And I said, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you for not naming me Wesley, which means very weird person. I'm just kidding. Wesley doesn't mean that. I don't know what Wesley means. I'm sure it means something beautiful. But uh, it was beautifully woven, handcrafted, a picture underneath, a scripture verse. And I can't even remember the name of this thing that they do, crochet or whatever. But you know what? I, I, what was interesting is when I turned it around and looked on the back side of it, it didn't make any sense. It didn't spell anything. It wasn't smooth. It was rough, tangled, and hanging. Because I was looking on the back side of the tapestry. See, that's where we are sometimes. We're looking at the wrong side. We don't know what God's doing on the other side. You don't know what God's doing where we can't see it. Things don't make sense that happen in our life because we suffer from a lack of perspective. We're only able to view from where we're standing, but God's ways are so far above our ways we can't understand it. And we try to figure it all out. We sit there and we put our glasses down to the end of our nose and we scratch our head and we think, I believe i got it figured out. Now you don't even know what God's doing on the other side. All you can see is a tangled mess, but God's got a purpose and all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. God sees the end from the beginning, God sees how things work together. But I say together. One thing by itself doesn't make sense. But when I put it together with something else, suddenly, now it finally has a value. Now it finally makes sense. How many of you like cake? Oh, hallelujah. Anybody like wedding cake? The white cake with the white icing? I always get the corner piece because it's got icing all the way around. Right? And I ask them to scrape the icing that the other people left. I like cake. Yeah. How many of you like to eat the ingredients of a cake one at a time? How about a cup of flour? Come on, eat it. You like cake. How about a cup of sugar? I thought you liked cake. Come on, baking soda. Open your mouth. Got some raw eggs for you. I thought you liked cake. No, you like it when it works together. Sometimes we try to figure out the things that are happening in our lives out of context without mixing them together with the other things that God's going to use to make something beautiful out of our lives. And we, we, we tear it from context and try to figure out and say, God, you're not very good because that doesn't taste very good. And God says, just wait. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to let it bake. And then it's going to be something beautiful. God's going to make something beautiful out of your life. Sometimes we're so smart, we make it hard on ourselves. 
We're so smart, we're trying to figure it out. Mama, why'd you put eggs in there? I don't like, you know I don't like eggs, but you like cake. And eggs are part of cake. Mama, you like, you know I don't like milk. You don't like milk, but milk's part of cake. And you like cake. Just sit back and wait. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. you got a perspective problem because you're looking at what's happening right now and saying, God, you must not love me. You must not be real. You must have forgotten about me. But God says, i got a plan in it all. i got a purpose in it all. you got to learn to trust me. So one of our problems is spatial limitation. The other problem is time limitation. And the third problem is, you know, with that woven bookmark, kind of the same thing is we can only see what's happening on the stage. We don't know what's happening behind the curtain. We can only see what is evident and obvious and palpable and tangible. But we can't see what is transpiring behind the scenes and what God is doing. I, I like this story in the Word of God, story in the life of Elisha. The Bible says, Second Kings chapter 6, verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was troubled for this thing, and he called his servants, said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Which one of you is giving away the secrets of the kingdom? Because every time we go to battle, the king of Israel knows where we're going. He knows what strategy we're using. There is a leak. There's a mole somewhere. Which one of you is leaking the enemy's secrets, our secrets to the enemy? And one of the servants said in verse 12, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thou thy bedchamber. They haven't set up a bug or a tap system in your home. It's the Spirit of God on this holy prophet. That reveals to him what you speak in your bedchambers. Verse 13, and he said, the king said, well, I don't know how to deal with this, but go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. We know where the prophet's at. We know where that Elisha that gets all your secrets. Therefore, send he thither horses and chariots and a great host, lots of people. And they came by night and compassed the city about, the city of Dothan, where Elisha was. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. The servant of Elisha goes out in the morning and sees the enemy with horses and chariots, bows and arrows and spears. And verse 15, uh, And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What are we going to do? Look at all these circumstances. Things just got bad. The enemy just showed up. I just got my pink slip. I just found out that she filed for divorce. I just got a bad report. What are we going to do? And he answered, Elisha said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And no doubt the servant, who was limited in his perspective, went out and looked again just to make sure. All I can see are enemy warriors. 
All I can see are those that the king sent our way to capture us and take you and I into captivity. That's all I can see. And the Bible says that Elisha asked God to open his servant's eye. Verse 17. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Step back for a minute, my brother. Let's look at the big picture. Take your focus up a notch or two. Look under the hills from whence cometh your help. All I can see is soldiers. God says, open his eyes, and he looks, and the hills are full of chariots of fire and horsemen that are on the side of Elisha. Now you understand what God was saying. There is more that are with us than those that are against us. All you can see is what's against you. All you can see that's posturing itself against you. But God says, open your eyes. If you could see from my perspective, you would understand that greater is He that is in you. And more are they that are with you than they that are against you. Come on, somebody. We serve a mighty big God. We serve a God that's able. We serve a God that's all-powerful. Hallelujah. It says, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. Behold, the mountain was full. Amen. It was a shift in perspective. A change in perspective. I I love the story in the book of Acts when revival was exploding. But persecution was coming against the church. They took one of the leaders of the church into captivity or into prison. And then at the direction of the king... He was slain, impaled, or run through with a sword. And then one of the greatest leaders, if not the greatest leader at that point of the church, was taken into custody as well. It was Peter, the Apostle Peter. And so there were a group who had an all-night prayer meeting, praying for Peter's release and safe delivery from prison. While they are praying, Oh God, deliver Peter from prison. Oh, God, take him out of those stocks and bonds. Oh, God, deliver him from the persecution of the king. Oh, God, let him be released. And what they did not realize is that while they were praying, God was already at work behind the scenes. While they were praying and saying, God, deliver Peter. God had already commissioned angels and they were moving in to where Peter was in that prison. Moving in between all those quatrains of soldiers who the Lord had dropped pixie dust on, if you would. And they were slumbering while they were supposed to be watching this prisoner. He was delivered. Everything was brought off of him by way of uh, his captivating devices. Uh, And he walked out, and when he walked to the door, the doors of the prison opened automatically like those hydraulic opening doors. Uh, And he walked out, uh, and they're still praying, God deliver Peter from prison. And Peter's walking toward their house. God set him free. Don't let him be run through with a sword or decapitated. God protect Peter while he's in prison. And all of a sudden there is a knock on the door. They sent the servant lady Rhoda out to answer the door. She opens the door, 
And there's Peter standing there. And in her mind, she's like, but Peter, we're praying that God would deliver you from prison. What are you doing here? Why are you here? See, there was a gap of time where God was working behind the scenes and they didn't even know what God was doing. I wonder sometimes if we pray for things and God's already working behind the scenes. And we're not going to see any evidence until we get the fulfillment of the miracle. Sometimes we want to see the process. Okay, God, are you working here? Let, let's see, what have you done here? God's working behind the scenes. God's changing their heart already. God's changing their resistances already. God's arranging things already. Come on, somebody. And you don't know what's happening. But one day, all of a sudden, there's going to be a knock at the door. And you're going to be astounded because God's been working where you couldn't see. Because you were limited by perspective of only seeing what's available and visible at the time. God works behind the scenes. God works in areas where we cannot see Him. and Our perspective sometimes affects even our prayers. Amen. Sometimes we pray in the midst of our circumstances for God to remove the circumstances. But the circumstances are part of God's plan to work all things together for our good. Right? So we're like, oh, God, deliver me from this. Oh, God, relieve me from this. Oh, God, give me comfort in this situation. Oh, God, bring peace to me. Don't make me have to go through this. Don't make me struggle with this. God, do this. God, do that. And what we don't know is that we would be missing out on some of God's greatest blessings if we didn't allow the thing that was happening to happen, if God didn't see so. So God's merciful, and He refuses to answer our prayers. God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. That's what Garth Brooks said. Amen. Got some other country music. Aficionados. Hallelujah. Anybody remember the story of, uh, anybody heard the Midas touch story before King Midas? What was the story of King Midas? He said he, he had the power. He was given the opportunity to receive anything that he wanted. Kind of like God gave that to Solomon. You get one choice, and I'll grant it to you. Well, King Midas, he said, let everything that I touch turn to gold. And he got just what he wanted, got just what he wanted, and went around touching the pot, and the pot turned to gold, and he touched the sidewalk, and the sidewalk panels and tiles turned to gold, and he went and he touched the pieces of furniture in his house, and was so excited because he got just what he wanted until his wife came up to him and in joy he reached out and hugged her and she turned into gold and became lifeless. Realized that not the blessing that he thought it was. Sometimes we misinterpret what really blessings are and what really things that are problems are. Problems come into our life and they're disguised as blessings and sometimes blessings come disguised as problems and we're working with limited perspective and trying to figure it all out and God's just standing in the background saying I know what's going to take place you just need to chill and let things unfold according to my purpose and my plan what was the problem with Midas? He got unintended consequences. And if God answered our prayers, sometimes we would receive unintended consequences that would bring stress and pressure and unbelievable duress and train wreck our lives. Thank God that He doesn't answer all of our prayers. Can I get an amen in the house? 
We pray with limited perspective, but God understands with greater perspective. Our, his thoughts are not different, just different. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are not just different than our ways. His ways are above our ways. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He will direct our paths. We pray for our circumstances instead of praying for God's purpose. We pray, God, fix this or turn this around or make this happen for me. Rather than, God, let your will be done in my life. Sometimes we pray for our comfort instead of for our character. Come on, somebody. We pray for our comfort instead of our character. We want to get rid of uncertainty in our life. We want God to... Make everything clear and easy for us to understand. We don't want to walk in any kind of a fog. But God understands that uncertainty makes life enjoyable. And a lack of uncertainty makes life a bore. You say you don't like surprises? Yes, you do like surprises. You like good surprises. You like the surprise birthday party. You like the surprise card from your spouse. You like the surprise flowers that are there when you get home. You like the surprise embrace and kind remark from your child. You like those surprises. I got a surprise the other day. I was sitting uh, on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving. I was sitting around with a bunch of kids in the family. And uh, my daughter Brooklyn was there. She turned to the other girls that were there. She said, my daddy is way cooler than any other daddy. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. You like surprises. You just don't like negative surprises. But if you want to say, God, I, I want everything in my life to be controlled. I want everything in my life to be certain. I want, to, I want to just follow, have everything follow according to plan. We take the good surprises out as well. Amen? That's the problem. Let me tell you, the biggest mistake you can make in living for God is play it safe. The biggest mistake you can make in living for God is to just not follow when the Holy Ghost leads you and stay stationed where you are in a safe easy environment you're going to miss out on some blessings you're going to miss out on some power you're going to miss out on some anointing can I get a witness in the house I can just imagine David the shepherd boy praying I can just imagine him saying oh Lord I pray for my lambs today keep them safe protect them Oh, Lord, I pray that you would keep them safe from any lions. Lord, I pray that there would be no bears that would come and attack my little lambs. Oh, we don't have any evidence specifically that David prayed like this, but we know that David was connected with God. David was a worshiper. David cared for his lamb. So I can just imagine that he probably prayed those prayers. Can we say that? Probably with, uh, with a good measure of confidence. Just like my girls make me pray every night. Lord, don't let my girls have bad dreams tonight. Lord... Keep my lambs safe. Don't let any lions come our direction. Don't let any bears come our direction. And then guess what? God doesn't answer the prayer. And a lion shows up. And a lion grabs one of his lambs. And what happens? You know the rest of the story. David takes and snatches the lamb back, rips the lion in half. Another time a bear attacks the flock. and Oh, God, you didn't answer my prayer. I prayed for your protection today. I prayed for your protection against the bears and the lions, and a bear showed up. Let me tell you something. Some of God's unanswered prayers in David's life 
became the strongest points on his resume. When he went before Saul and said, I can handle this giant because one time a lion showed up. What if God answered his prayer and a lion never showed up? What if God answered his prayer and a bear never showed up? David would never have been prepared to do the bigger thing that God had planned for him. Some of you need to understand that God's perspective is such that he puts you in positions to struggle with brokenness, to struggle with pain, to go through trials and to go through difficulties because he has a plan for your life. Somebody needs to trust the Lord right in the middle of your trial. Somebody needs to trust the Lord right in the middle of your situation that doesn't make any sense and realize one of these days uh, one of these days it might make sense come on let's praise the Lord together hallelujah Saul says yeah you can fight that giant if you can handle a bear if you can rip a lion in half I'll let you put on my armor and go try to fight the giant. See, this was the stepping stone. This was the trigger point of David stepping into his destiny. He would never get into his destiny if he had no resume that came as a product of God not answering his prayers that were misguided because of his perspective. And I want to tell you right now, some of you are upset with God because he didn't answer your prayer. He didn't answer your prayer because he had a plan for what you're going through. And God's plan is to make you a better person, to equip you to do something in There's a process that happens in the human body. Let me get the words here. It's called remodeling. Remodeling. And I'm not a medical doctor. And uh, Dr. Charlie is gone. He's in Florida at uh, one of our churches today on, on, on the vacation over the holidays. But um, this process of remodeling is what happens to our bones. That there's a constant tearing down of our bones and rebuilding of our bones. There's two chemicals or agents that do this. Let me give those to you. They are osteoclasts and osteoblasts. Osteoclasts are what break down. Osteoblasts are what restore because what it does is it allows when you're younger the bones to grow and when you're older for them to remain strong. It's kind of like a, a breaking down of the, 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 the parts that need to be shed, if you would, and restoring or strengthening. Now here's what happens. When a person breaks a bone, this is medical fact. When a person breaks a bone, they put the bone in a cast. And then when the bone's in the cast, it is vulnerable to another break, right? But there is a process of this remodeling going on where those, what did I say, areoblasts? Osteoblasts. Oreoblasts are what they have at... uh, Dairy Queen, that's right. Osteoblast. I didn't get my breakfast this morning, I'm sorry. Osteoblast. Build it up again. And here's the, here's the medical fact, is that people almost never break the same bone in the same spot. The reason is, is that once that bone is restored, those osteoblasts have made it stronger thicker and harder than it was before it was broken. And sometimes we wonder, God, why am I experiencing this brokenness in my life? Why why am I experiencing this brokenness because of my anger, because of my lust? Maybe God had to break it because He had to put it back together and make it stronger than it ever was before from the beginning. See, God has a purpose in everything. 
And learning to give Him thanks is a process of learning how to say, you know what, I don't understand this because I'm right in the middle of it. I don't understand it and it makes me sad because I'm right in the middle of it dealing with emotions. But I'm going to give God thanks anyway. Right in the middle of something that doesn't make sense. Right in the middle of something that's very painful. Right in the middle of something that is stressing me out. I'm going to give God thanks anyhow because I believe that He's in control. And I believe that His Word is true and He's working all things together for our good. And uh, in, in, in closing culmination today, the story of Paul and Silas, they were in the midst of a bad situation, bad set of circumstances. They're out doing the work of God. And there is this woman who is a fortune teller. She's able to predict people's future based on magical or curious arts. And she's possessed with an evil spirit. And because of this evil spirit, she follows them around and shouts things and just becomes a grade A irritant. And so Paul and Silas, on the prompting of the spirit, turned around and cast the evil spirit out of this young lady. And she was restored to a right mind. But she lost her ability to be a seer. And so the man who apparently had a lot of influence in the city, who was making a lot of money off of her gift, had Paul and Silas put in jail. They cost me so much money. Can you put them in jail? So here they are preaching the gospel away from their family and friends, doing what God had called them to do, being good citizens, trying to serve God, and they get put in jail for doing something good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're you're trying to do the right thing, and bad circumstances come, and you're like, God, are you even there? Are you real? I was trying to serve you, and now, right in the middle of me trying to serve you, I lose my job. Right? Right in the middle of me trying to serve you, this happens in my life. This situation comes up in my life. And just like, just like our situations, Paul and Silas found themselves in the middle of this prison at midnight. And what would we do? We would begin to pray and ask God to deliver us from that prison, wouldn't we? Let's be honest with each other. Rats running around, stinks in there, it's dank. All kinds of nasty stuff, refuse, smells. We've just been beaten, got open sores. What are we going to be doing? Woe is me. Oh, God, deliver me out of this circumstance. God, deliver me out of this circumstance. But see, Paul and Silas were practicing this thing that I'm talking to you today about thanksgiving perspective, which is in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Can you praise God in the midst of a bad situation? And I don't mean just perfunctory praise. I mean really praising God with confidence that He's in charge. that, that, That He's in charge. And so the Bible says that Paul and Silas sang praises to God at midnight. I I wish, this is one thing I've always wished. I wish that someday, when you and I get to heaven, that they will have the movie room in heaven. Anybody wish they had the movie room in heaven? 
not where they show Hollywood stuff, but where they show the actual events that we've read about for years in Scripture and watch Abraham about to sacrifice his son and God stopping him and the ram in the, in the thicket there and watch David go out there on the field. I, I, you know, I hope that someday I'll be able to sit down on those big cushion chairs and kick back and watch Paul and Silas. They're going to have to have that infrared lighting, you know, like from the, uh, um, the, the soldiers had in Desert Storm so we can see into that dark cell and see them there as their uh, pain and, and uh, agony in the midst of the situation. And they say, what, what should we do? And they say, you know what I, you know what I think would work right now? What's that? I think we ought to sing some praises to God. Here? Now? Well, yesterday I felt like it, but right now, not so much. Can you praise and sing praises to God in the midst of a situation like this? This is what the Bible is saying when it says, In everything give thanks. Because we get blessings when we thank God for His blessings. But we get extra special blessings when we thank God in the midst of the trial. We don't have to be foolish and say, thank God for ending my marriage and divorce. We don't have to say anything like that. But we can say, thank God, I believe you're in control. Thank God, I believe you're there. And in the midst of the trial, hey, guess what? I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself too. Because we're all human beings and we have a tendency to feel sorry for ourselves. We're all human beings and we have that tendency to fall into a pity party and start thinking, well, why is this happening to me? And why hasn't God worked this out for me? And why hasn't God arranged this situation yet for me? What is God working for me or is God not? In the meantime, if you would learn, hallelujah, to give thanks in everything, if you would learn like Paul and Silas to sing praises to God in the midst of a dark situation, humiliated, stripped, beaten, and left in a rotting prison overnight. And they say, look what the Lord has done. Oh, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. And right in the middle at midnight, while they're singing and praising God, something begins to shake in the jailhouse. Hallelujah. All the bonds and stocks on people's hands and feet broke loose. The prison doors went open. There was an earthquake. There was a shaking when God's people began to praise Him in the midst of their trial. Come on, I wonder if somebody can stand up and clap your hands right now. Come on, can you stand and give Him praise right now? Let me explain to you what worship is. Worship is about getting perspective. It's about stepping back from where we find ourselves, right in the middle of our situation. Because that's all we can see. You know, when you're in the midst of the battle, that's all you can see. They call it the fog of war. You're right in the middle of it. You're in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your trial. And that's all you can think about. All I can think about is, how am I going to pay that bill? All I can think about is, how am I going to fix this relationship that I ruined with unkind words? 
all I can think about is how can I get out of this situation that I've gotten myself into by being disobedient to God or all I can think about is how is this going to get fixed how can I get rid of this pain how can I make it another day we come into the house of the Lord and we bring our request because we're in the middle of a circumstance in the middle of a situation but what is praise praise and worship is stepping back from it say God this thing seems so big this thing is captivating my mind and has captured all my attention but let me step back for a minute and realize that there are some things that are bigger like the fact that you died on the cross for my sins that I don't have to live with the guilt of my sins anymore that I get an opportunity to live eternal life in heaven. See, that's what worship is. That's why you're showing me that you have a problem when you let your problems keep you from worshiping. You're showing me that you have not learned this principle that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You have not learned this principle yet in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. If you can allow your circumstances to dominate your thinking and you can't pull back from it, See, when you worship the Lord, you are divorcing yourself from your problems for a minute. You're separating yourself from the issues that are dominating your thinking for a while. And you're saying, you know what, this is all important. I'm going to be back looking at this Monday, but right now, you know what? God is a good God. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. At the end of the day, if I don't get this job, I still get eternal life. At the end of the day, if my marriage doesn't work out, I still have God's blood applied to my life. Come on, somebody. At the end of the day, if this disease takes my life, I'll go to a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more suffering. That's why in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my trial, I can say, thank you, Jesus. I can say, praise the Lord. I can say, I worship you, Jesus. I can say, I magnify you, Lord. I can say, I love you, Jesus. God works all things together. God works all things together. Anybody feel anybody feel something happening in your faith right now? You know, Paul and Silas, if they never went to jail, there would never have been a jailer and his whole family that got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, upstanding, valuable character-based witnesses in the community of the grace of Jesus Christ. If they never went to jail, that miracle never happens. And they never get to tell one of the greatest stories that the apostles ever got to tell. I'm telling you right now, you're in the middle of your circumstance. You're facing it. I'm telling you to pull back from it and praise the Lord. And if you learn to praise the Lord, good things happen when you praise the Lord. Good things happen when you worship the Lord. This is how we go to battle. This is how we do war. We don't try to figure it out. We don't try to reason it out. We say, God, you're in control. God, you're all powerful. And there's no one, no one like you. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to him right now. And why do we lift our hands? Because that means I surrender. I'm taking my hands off the situation, God. I've been trying to manipulate it, but I'm trusting you now. I surrender. Come on, open your hands up, God. I'm giving it to you. I'm turning it over to you. <laughs> I don't know where the answer is coming from, but I know where it's coming from in terms of from whom. It's coming from you. I'm trusting you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Amen. We're going to praise the Lord in just a moment. But before we do, I want to give an invitation to someone who you have spent your whole life trusting in yourself or trusting in other people or trusting in things of this world to take care of your situation to help you through. You've been trusting in your ability to make money or trusting in your education, trusting in this, trusting in that. But what God is asking today is, are you ready to stop trusting in these things? Put your faith in me and learn to say in everything, give thanks and take your hands off the steering wheel. And we got a country music thing going on today. Say, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I want to go with you. I want to go where you're going. I'm tired of going my own way, but I want to give my life completely to you. And I want you to take this life and do whatever you want with it. And that's the most important decision that you can make. That's the most important step that you can make. In just a moment, when I invite everyone up here, if you feel like making that decision today, I want you to come forward. I want you to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to quit trusting in myself and doing my own thing. From this day forward, Lord God, I want to live for you. I want to surrender my life into your hands. If you have, are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you've gotten yourself frustrated because you're trying to figure things out and get it back under control, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Jesus today and let Jesus take control. Hallelujah. Why don't we all come forward together? If there's someone next to you, close to you, take them by the hand and say, come on, let's just pray for a while today. Let's pray for a little bit this morning. Just come out of where you are, up around the front here. Let's pray together. Let's make this declaration of putting our trust in Him. Let's start by saying sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for living my life my way. Jesus, I'm sorry for making decisions based on what I thought was best for me. I recognize now that those decisions were based on faulty perspective. That's why they made a mess of my life. Jesus, I'm sorry for thinking I was smart enough and I had all the answers. Jesus, I pray that you'd forgive me for living life for me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you forgive me for every time that I've broken your law, Lord Jesus, or done my way, Lord Jesus, instead of your way. Tried to be boss in my own life. 
Jesus, I want to give my life to you today. I want to turn my future over to you, Jesus. I want to put my destiny in your hands, Lord. I believe, Jesus, that you've got a plan for my life. Come on, say it. I believe, Jesus, that you have a plan for my life. And I want to put my life in your hands. I want you to do with me and through me what you want to do. Jesus, I pray that you'd forgive me and give me a fresh start today. Let me be washed clean, Lord God, by your precious blood that you shed for me. Let me start over again. Thank you, Jesus, for this hope that I have in you. I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Come on, say it if that's what you mean. God, I want to be a follower of you. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to be filled with your spirit. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, once you finish that prayer, just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Begin to praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands and praise Him right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, some people are making a decision right now. And Juan's made a decision to be baptized in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Juan right now, Lord God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would touch him today, Lord, as he makes this decision at this stage of his life to give himself completely to you and to be washed in waters of baptism through the power of the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. God, go with him, Lord God. Let your will and purpose be accomplished in his life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Juan Resendiz, that you have repented of your sins, and I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Come on, let's thank God for it right now. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name.
the spot, but if you come here and tell us in the microphone real quick why you think it's important for people to be baptized in Jesus' name. baptized in Jesus name because all this time whatever sin you have made Jesus already paid the price and when you bury in the name of Jesus all your sin will wash away your sicknesses will go away you will have a new conscience his spirit will come and it will lead you and guide you to the right right path which always you wonder where you are what you are doing and why is happening now he will be telling you where to go, how to go, what to do. It's amazing thing what God has a store for you. Also, He will take you in the kingdom of heaven. That's the way you can open. Come on, let's just sing this worship for us as we rejoice with those who are being
good God. Amen. He's a good God. He's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for what he's doing right now in lives. Lift up your hand one more time and let's reach to him. Jesus, have your way today. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. I want to tell you that earlier in the service, while God's people were worshiping and shouting and moving about in the presence of the Lord, I just had a momentary, like, big vision of us having a service just like that with just that much power in our brand new church building. I had a vision of that just for a split second. No loss in anointing, no loss in fervor, no loss in power. It was all there in the new church building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, too, that uh, um, we, are, we have at least one more baptism today. And um, it's taking us a little longer. In the new church building, the facilities will be such to where we can baptize them one right after the other with multiple dressing rooms. It'll be uh, so much better. Juan, we're so excited about uh, this decision to be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, What most of you don't know about Juan is that a little over almost two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, I visited Juan in the hospital. They thought he was going to die. He couldn't move. He couldn't get out of bed. And he walked up to be baptized in Jesus' name today. I'm going to tell you, God's a great God, isn't he? Prayer works, doesn't it? Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. When I visited him in the hospital and when I walked out of there, my faith said he's coming out. But my flesh said, this man's a goner. But I'm glad to see him here today. God's raised him up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We have... She's just getting ready to be baptized right now. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Sister, come around. my son's girlfriend. She received the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost last Sunday, and today she's making a decision to give her life to Jesus. So before we baptize her, let's just pray for her real quick, okay? Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity, God, that you're giving us today, God. God, we pray that you bless this young lady, God. Lord, and that you give her strength each and every day that she lives for you and she serves you, God. We thank you for Calvary, God. We thank you for that sacrifice that you made for us on that cross, that we could be buried in your precious name, God, and that all our sins could be washed away forever, God. God, today is a new beginning. Today is a new start, God, and it's all in you, Jesus. Why, God? Because we're completing you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Diana. Fontana, that you've repented of your sins and that God has already filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins.
Say a word of prayer for her right now. Can you stretch your hands in the direction of our sister? Lord Jesus, we thank you today, Lord, for this decision that's being made, Lord God. We thank you for this life represented here, Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that as she goes down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your faith, her faith in you, will cause her sins to be washed away, to be a new creature in Christ Jesus, Lord. She will come forth, Lord God, receive your Holy Spirit, and walk in newness of life. When she comes out, in the name of Jesus. Chavez, that you've repented of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Yeah. 